Hey all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today I am with Chris Everhart. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, how's it going, Frank? I am doing good, and we also have uh, Debbie Bolandino. Debbie, how's your day going? It's going wonderfully. Thank you. Excellent. These are two of the writers and creators that we have producers for Badass Girl Saves the World. Such a beautiful story so far. The, the imagery, the story, it's really cool world you're building here. Uh, Chris, maybe you could give us a quick rundown. What is this comic? This comic is about a girl who was orphaned in the alien invasion that wiped out the Earth and most of humanity. And she was found and raised in the forest by a mysterious Chinese woman who turned her into a weapon for justice. And now with no home, no family, and no friends, she walks this post-apocalypse Earth kicking ass on bad guys who prey on the innocent. Yeah. That's the greatest one line right there. That feels like a movie poster already. <laughs> it just sounds I've had, good. I've had a little practice. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Uh, so yeah, we have this alien invasion, and then yeah, we have her her wandering around, and it's a real balance of what is humanity outside of civilization and stuff like that. We're getting that back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. How do you carry the story forward, Debbie? You see the groundwork put ahead. What are you trying to add to the story from your uh, point of view? So. The direction that we're heading is really the evolution of Badass Girl. So where she's come from, she's been abandoned. She's a loner, but really has a deep need to be part of a community. But when she does, it doesn't go well or doesn't go right. But kind of her progression into... The next story is we just see her starting to connect with people um, and then, you know, once again, walking away. But, you know, throughout each storyline, you know, there's a whole new set and some old, some new of, you know, villains and um, circumstances and challenges that she runs up against and her growth. Um, we can see a lot of uh, interesting things uh, happen with her. So she's a she's an awesome character. We're really excited to see where she goes. A lot of sci-fi is like a lens for modern day. Uh, what can girls today learn from this this comic book story? Well, uh, so, yeah. Well, I, um, a couple of years ago, somebody put out one of those uh, Facebook. Um, you know, questions that get passed around, and the question was, uh, "Are you a feminist?" And I wrote back, I have to be because I grew up with girls who punched back. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the funny thing is that one of the girls who lived across the street from me uh, chimed in and said something about us, you know, fighting when we were younger. And I said, Sonia, you're, you're one of the girls who used to punch back at me. <laughs> um, so what what I what I'm really excited about is that uh, girls and women are finding more and more opportunities to do what's in their heart and what's in their mind. You know, I, I, I was, uh, I was born in a time when most doctors were still men mm -hmm. and, uh, they were the authorities. And honestly, there just was not very much diversity, even as I was, uh, growing up. So, and I, I just heard a statistic not too long ago that, uh, uh, medical school, um, enrollment is now over 50% female. Wow. And uh, yeah. And so I, you know, I have a very high regard for women. Um, I have a real soft spot in my heart for young women. And um, I, I want them to know that 
they have power and that their story is a heroic story. That's great. So, Chris, back with you. What was some of your inspirations growing up? Were you a comic book reader? Why did you want to get into a comic book field? I, I actually had a lot of trouble reading when I was a kid. So anything, even comic books, were hard for me to um, to really get into. There were a couple that I really liked. Um, you know, when I was in elementary school, the original Battlestar Galactica was on TV. Nice. And a friend of mine and I used to uh, used to collect those comic books. I also read a comic book called Sergeant Rock, which I loved because it was set in World War II. Um, and there were always uh, 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 all the of all the things. There was always Mad magazines around because I have three older brothers who would bring that you know trash home. Yeah, and I would just <laughs> dig into it. I love that stuff. And um, so I was more of a TV and movie kind of person. Um, you know, later on when, when I found more of a joy in reading, I read a lot of stuff and, um, I really, uh, decided after I graduated from art school that, um, it would be cool to, to go to film school. And, um, my wife agreed that it would be cool, but we didn't have the time or the money to do it. So, uh, I took some of the, um, ideas that I was saving for these great screenplays I would write and just started making them into books, which was cheap. Um, along the way, I got some contract work with uh, uh, one of the educational companies based here in Minnesota, where I did a bunch of uh, graphic novels for them and really you know, got to learn while being paid for it, how to write scripts and work with editors and illustrators for graphic novels. Um, when this project came up, the, well, basically, the inspiration for Badass Girl was I went and saw the first Wonder Woman movie and I left there saying, I got to write something about a badass chick. Yeah. I was just, you know, for me, there's three kinds of movies, movies I like, movies I don't like and movies that make me want to do something. Wonder Woman was one a movie that made me want to do something. And at that time, we had some really generous um, uh uh, a film incentives here in Minnesota. And I was in touch with somebody who was taking advantage of that. As it happens, uh, the extra bonus money was way up north in what we call the Iron Range, where there are tons of old open pit mines and uh, well, along with some really rich natural forests. And so I wrote the original Badass Girl as a, a low budget film script. And um, as it turns out, we I was in touch with another producer who said, um, as I was just starting to think about shopping it around, said that, um, you know, this is super high concept. So you really need to get something solid um, before you start shopping it around because somebody will try to steal it. And uh, the couple of options really for, uh, you know, uh, solidifying the the idea are to um, uh, write a uh, uh, write a novel, which I'm I can do, but didn't seem right for this. Make a, a proof of concept short film, which is really expensive, or this, you know, do a uh, uh, do a, a graphic novel or comic book, which you know made perfect sense for this this genre, and that's why we that's why we got into the the comic book aspect of it. It makes so much sense reading that first comic that this was meant to be a pitch for a movie because. It's very cinematic in the fact that the pacing is quicker. Uh, all, all and there's no like exposition. It's it's dialogue, normal dialogue. You feel like two characters are actually talking to each other, 
And so I think you've really did nail that. It feels like I'm watching a film as I'm reading along. Oh, cool. I, I was a little worried because I know that a lot of the classic like Marvel and DC comic books in particular have these huge block, yellow blocks yeah. of, of script and uh, uh, backstory so, and narrative. So I'm glad to hear that it, that it works. Yeah, yeah, you're picking it up by the environment. And and uh, one of the things I liked about the story so far is that it's a, a big world, a big story, but we're being told just a little small slice of this story. And then we'll kind of figure it out as we go along. We're just barely touching on stuff and it feels good. Uh, Debbie, did you think you were going to be writing comics when you were growing up? Um, You know, I was always, uh, we'll call it a wannabe writer. I, I used to, I remember wasn't um 21 jump street it was the it was the other one off of that i can't remember you know stephen botchko um tv shows and i used to write you know what the next episode would be back in the day and i ended up being in corporate america for many many years but a good friend of mine and i partnered together and we uh, made a movie together which was kind of our you know it's really our ultimate dream you know and so i had stepped away from corporate America for, it was about five years when Chris approached me. So, and, you know, really I, I do love writing, but I also like, you know, a, a project in its entirety. I like to see things from beginning to end and all the bits and pieces and helping to put those together. So um, it was really just a perfect fit for me at the time. Cause I really wanted to do something in that world so chris came along perf at perfect time and we've been good friends for a long time and we knew we could work together and so um yeah so i'm i'm really much like chris i'm more um a movie aholic tv aholic um but this fits in nicely and that's really where we intend to take this which is to the screen and it and it fits nicely into that yeah, and uh, you know one of the one of the keys to success I've learned is surround yourself by people smarter than you are. In my case, it's surround my people with women who are smarter than I am because my <laughs> wife told me to ask Debbie to be involved, and uh, Debbie really has brought that thirty thousand foot view, not just on the story but on the on the business side of it too, to make sure that we're that we're um, kind of rolling the whole thing together because being more or less just a, like a, a writer storyteller myself it's hard for me to step back and really see um the the broader view of the characters the world and, and all those things so she's brought a lot to the project yeah it's it feels like a really good collaboration between you or to uh already talking to you here who else is a part of the team and what are they putting into it so um, we have uh, another business partner. His name is Paul Paul Wilcox, and um, he has been with well, he again, good friend of ours from you know long ago, and you know we knew each other well. Um, he and Chris had already started down this path before I came into to the you know world, um, and he is also um, more on the business side, but also really helps keep us in check, if you will. And um, so I think he brings another element of balance to that. And then um, most recently, we uh, joined in with Geek Collective and Joey Galvez, and he is working with us to get this thing um, 
we'll call it uh, more off the ground. We, you know, COVID, I think in, in this world, in, in many cases would be helpful because it's all online and, you know, things sort of took off there. But, you know, um, along with our illustrator, which I guess he's another aspect of this, you know, we had families and things going on and all kinds of drama going, you know, so we really had to take a step back, unfortunately, for those couple of years. And so we're really picking this up and getting our groove back and Joey's um, helping us with that and getting us out into, you know, the social media world. And um, he's also going to help with the Kickstarter that we're doing. And, you know, I, we see a great potential for us to collaborate together on this in, in many different aspects. Yeah, yeah. Joey, Joey and the Geek Collective are bringing the comic book world knowledge that frankly, we don't have, you know, I can, I can write it, but, and we, we, we've mainly uh, marketed the comic book at uh, Comic-Cons. We've gone to four or five, six Comic-Cons every year, building our mailing list, hand, you know, selling hand to hand uh, badass girl and trying to develop that real grassroots audience so that as we start to grow, they'll, they'll be excited and, and be our, our best ambassadors. Um, and, uh, what, uh, what we're looking forward to with the geek collective is, um, being with, you know, someone who really has a better reach into the community that we as, you know, more or less movie people, uh, haven't had before. So, uh, that, and that's how we got in touch with you, Frank. So, yeah. so far, so good, right? <laughs> Joey, Joey and his team is such a good uh, asset because you're saying like with the pandemic, things have changed a lot in the last three years to where. Uh, you know, you guys took, you know, guys took time to focus on what matters, but also in that time, a lot of people are like, Hey, this is a good time to jumpstart my dreams. And so you, you're entering a kind of a crowded field of comic book creators now, um, all of them finding varying success stories. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see you guys back into the field and getting, getting fired up again and, and tapping the right kind of talent for this. That's really, really interesting. Um, let's focus now on this wonderful story. Uh, the world you're building here, matter of fact, let's start with that word, right? The world. We have this settlement called the world. Where did that idea come from? And is there any inspiration for this? Because it, I'm already identifying with it so much. I, uh, you know what, you know what, the title came first, honest yeah. to God, um, which is sometimes do, it does when I write stories. And it just, I, it just, it just worked. I, I can't, I can't explain it. And then uh, I wrote that first, uh, uh, four, this first four comics with the idea that putting the world, you know, that, that she's not saving the entire world. So she's yeah. got to have something to save. And I just called, you know, I called the, uh, the village, the world. And early on in the uh, first issue, um, she mentions that, yeah, it's, it's called the world. Why is it called the world? She asked yeah. somebody and uh, the, the kid who follows her around, Ben, who's sort of a troubadour, tells stories about Badass Girl to everybody for his, for his uh, uh, living, uh, says, uh, because that's all there is to these people, is just this village, pretty much. So um, I matched it up that way. And um, the inspiration was, like I said, Wonder Woman. Uh, there's a, um, a really good low budget, uh, post-apocalypse movie called Turbo Kid. Oh, if you wow. haven't seen it, try and find it. It's really cool. It's a very, has a comic book aspect to it. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, they really did a fantastic job with that movie. And uh, then also uh, Emily Blunt in uh, The Edge of Tomorrow, I think is that oh, movie. Yeah. Is that what oh, that yeah. movie's called? Such a mm -hmm. badass. As a matter of fact, the the uh, the poster hanging on or the, the there's a huge in the movie. There's a huge mural on the side of a building with uh, Emily Blunt, you know, with one foot propped up and her. Uh, her uh, whatever that uh, helicopter rotor blade or something that she was using to kill the the aliens over her shoulder, and that exact shot is what I gave the illustrator to, as a model for the first uh, the cover of the first uh, issue. I can see that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I like my badass chick for sure. I think the closing shot of the first issue is is pretty much that. It's her staying with that pose, getting ready to take out those guys that came in with a wagon. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> so that, that's great. Um, the, the troubadour, I liked how you called it the storyteller. Uh, what was his name? Cause I didn't catch his name in the first issue. Did it was Ben? Yeah. Ben. Yeah. Ben. I really liked that character. He reminds me so much of like, like the witcher or something like that. Like if you're thinking of the fantasy stories, he's our bard, right? He's going to mm -hmm. be kind of the audience's eyes on such an amazing character. And so I'm mm -hmm. ready for him as well. It's, it's, it's fun to watch him, uh, cruising along with her. Yeah. He gets I, a little more action in the second story arc that Debbie's okay. writing. Awesome. I'm looking forward to catching up on this. This is going to be good. Mm -hmm. Debbie, where do you expand on this world? Do you try to keep it small with the world and the nearby town, or do you try to expand beyond those borders? You know, I've always talked about it kind of like The Walking Dead, where, you know, she's a loner, but she kind of lives on the outskirts because mm -hmm. that, again, that kind of need to, or just you know, I don't even know if she realizes it, you know, desire to connect with people. But it's also where she can do the most good because she can see people in harm. And, you know, she and so but at the same time, she wants to move on because, as you know, when she feels a connection, she kind of wants to detach at the same time. So I see the world very much expanding. So we are you know, going to different places. And, we, you know, we even, you know, next two or three series down, we're, we're getting, you know, kind of an uh, inkling of where she's going and, um, you know, how she's seeing, she's seeing the bigger picture. She's seeing that, you know, just hitting these things onesie twosie, you know, may not be enough, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of, the, the Walking Dead was my you know, kind of best illustration of just kind of working her way through the world. And then, you know, what characters kind of come along with her versus what new ones come, you know, I, I think it's going to be the fun ride. Yeah. And then I want to touch on the art a little bit too. Uh, we had the illustrator, Brand Garvey. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful work, right? It's eye catching right away. It feels almost like a touch of like a 70s kung fu movie. The light, it's like something about the lighting, the color, the, like there's some film grain on everything. Uh, it, it gets you right away. And again, it has that film aspect where almost lighter on the dialogue, more action heavy. And that's even told in the story where in the first issue, we're like, oh yeah, come on stage, present yourself, tell your story. Ah, that's not her style. No, no, no. Oh, kidnapping, let me step in. Like, I just love that. I think that's something we can see going forward. <laughs> It's such a great job uh, by Brand and the artwork. It's, it's outstanding. Panel work, everything. Yeah, when we got started, I asked Bran to if we could hit a spot that was somewhere between the really detailed DC Marvel, you know, style and anime, which is 
very yeah. stripped down. And I, I think he's, he nailed it. Um, and we get everybody, you know, when we're at, at uh, Comic Cons, everybody sees they they have high praise for the artwork. Yeah. And he's a and he's a good visual storyteller himself. Bran was a he he was the art director for one of the publishers that I did some graphic kids graphic novels for. So it you know I asked him you know if he was interested and and sure he was. But it's what's really cool is that we are able to give him a script that where we don't have to uh, um, uh, specify every single panel that we can give him the script page by page, tell him if there's something specific we want to see, but otherwise, you know, he, he puts those together and makes choices that, you know, that just like for me, having done a few short films, um, when you write a script and then you trust the actors with it, they'll bring something that's surprising, but even better than you thought. Brand yeah. does that. Yeah. One of the things I really like is, is how there's a few notable things he does. One of them is when the when it's like a wide shot, he changes the art style a little bit too, to where it's a little bit more of a tone. So it makes it to where you're not focusing on our two main characters. You're morally more focusing on the crowd as a whole. So you know that adds to the the feel of the scene, I guess. Um, and then there's another one where uh, you know we have Ben, where she's focusing on Ben, and then also you can tell that he blurs Ben, and we're focusing on the crowd mm -hmm. behind him, which is I've never seen that done in comics. That was very cool. And uh, and then again, also the paneling when it's nighttime, it was dark on the outside of the paneling the uh you know what is this called like when he's looking back the, the uh gosh i can't remember flashbacks thank you <laughs> it's a little foggy the panels are a little foggy it's just really nice little art pieces that takes you into the story even more it's more immersive and i really think that's a wonderful job on his part um all right the last thing i want to touch on is we have an energy source here this quartz mixed with algae is that going to be a driving uh, thing going forward? Because I feel like that's that's pretty important for a world that's stripped of energy sources. <laughs> uh, we, it's, we're laughing because we just had a two-hour discussion about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> so I, I put this, I put that thing together. I, I honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing, so I accidentally <laughs> stuck Debbie with. A uh, a huge amount of research that she had to do to see if she can try to make it this technology work. So uh, take it away, Debbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it is funny because as I was, uh, you know, kind of mapping out, you know, uh, you know, looking at this for episodic television, and I was mapping out the season. I really had to get into some backstory, and so I started looking up algae and lasers and plasma and like, you know, quartz, like, you know, can we make any of this, you know, work? And I got into like, I can't, I know bacteria, you know, is really what it is. I don't know. You know. So yeah. yeah. I, by the way, that, yeah, the conceit of the backstory is that the aliens came and took all the fuel. They took yeah. all the fossil fuels that, that we use. And, you know, so they basically left, left the earth back to you know chopping wood for fire um yeah. so just to put that in there yeah so yeah i we're, we're it is going to carry forward so to answer your question it okay. is gonna carry forward how real it is you know 
Oh, it's sorry. sci-fi. We don't need to, we don't need to know right. why, how warp no. engines work. We just know that yeah. glowing thing makes yeah. them work. You know? yeah. That's basically exactly. the same idea. Yes. Well, and, and, and Knack is the mad scientist who can put this weird yeah. crap together in otherwise, you know, zero technology environment. But we may in future issues decide that, you know, uh, they maybe some characters find some alien technology that's left over. Uh, or some power source so that's always an option too wow yeah that adds so much more to because not only do they take away our fossil fuels but maybe if we find their tech it almost Mm -hmm. jumps us up a a few centuries in technology Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. in this world so that really adds a big thing to it amazing world can't wait to dive into it even more where can people find these comics uh well um we are on amazon both digital and hard copy mm-hmm. you can get them through our website everything we um you know whether it's instagram or our website it's all badass girl world one word okay um so there and if you come see us at a, a con you can get it from us personally absolutely doing that whenever you guys come around definitely hanging out uh that is so cool so all the links will be in the description guys both amazon and the website so please check those out and i just Thank you very much, Debbie and Chris, for hanging out with me today. Thanks, Thank you for having us. All right, guys, that is Badass Girl. Again, links in the description. And then go follow around. We'll also have the social media links in there as well. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>